Hello, good evening. Welcome to the Football Babble, our last uh, Premier League roundup anyway um, of the 2021 season and the full house. Hello, gents. Hello, everyone. How are you all? Ethan. Good evening. Have a good evening. Um, we're going to just go through, we obviously on our social media, Brent had a lot of good work and he had awards up. So we're going to have an awards night. We're going to chat about what happened this season. Um and how different things went with a few listener questions as well and just sort of round up and finish off as i said the league season anyway because there is the champions league final on saturday night and depending on how that goes it'll either be therapy for me and paddy next week or we'll be we'll possibly be still celebrating paddy might still be drunk um before we get into it we'll go around the houses and just the league's over now city won it um obviously beat Liverpool by a point Chelsea solidified, solidified third, came home again third, or in the top four anyway. Arsenal just missed out in top four, and then Manchester United got into the Europa League. So it was league campaign. It was probably wasn't what we all wanted in the end. But, Johnny, I'll go with you first because we haven't had you on in a little while. Um, and I know you wanted to get a few things off your chest on the Arsenal. Um, Pep by Spurs. I know that's kicking the stones, but still positives this season for you? I will always rather be us than be them. <laughs> I don't like they're getting on like they won the league, finishing the top four. Well done. I mean the difference the difference between us and Spurs was Spurs striker score goals. That's really it. I still maintain we're a better team and we'll prove that next year. Especially slap that wig off Antonio Conte's head as well. <laughs> Fucking slobber. Oh <laughs> so well you know what? Solid start to the podcast. <laughs> we, we, we will bide our time. I'm telling you. Oh, they're they're all talk. They're all fucking talk. I'm telling you. Wait the next season. I I we may we may as well we may finish first. We finished in the Europa League, but you know I'm still I'm still feeling all right about Arsenal. I haven't enjoyed watching Arsenal this much in a long time. So and we finished eighth the last two seasons, and we finished fifth this season. Like and almost got Champions League with basically without a striker like you know Lacazette hadn't scored an open play in 18 games or something mad like that and Aubameyang wasn't scoring goals and then Adi and Kedia came in and he done well like let's let's not you know forget like he did come in and score two against Chelsea and he did score against United but it was ruled out um and he put on a shift like I mean if we had a, a guy that could score 20-25 goals this year we would have we would have been third never mind fourth like the way Chelsea dipped off there at the end of the season, we could have easily finished third. So I think I think maybe in the podcast last week, you and Steve done. I think maybe Steve, you said that um, you don't really know where it's went wrong for Arsenal this year, but I think it's kind of it's kind of obvious kind of where it went wrong. You know, we don't have a striker who could score goals, and I I back the club's decision to sell Bamiang. He was he was a bad influence on the team and was bringing the whole mood down. It was quite obvious between the players and the and the fan base. And then, like, not to make excuses, like, I know every team gets injuries, like, but our first choice back four only started 10 games together this season as well. So, it, and then Thomas Party being injured too, like, obviously it was a big loss, but you yeah, can't make excuses. Like, we should have, we should have finished in the top four. I know you said last week they bottled it, and they did, like, they bottled it. First 20 minutes against Spurs, like, Steve said that on the well, no, like, well, it's true, like, you know, they did, they bottled it, like, they were, they were comfortable first 20 minutes against Spurs, they really were, like, you know, Spurs weren't a threat, Harry Kane actually didn't touch the ball, first 20 minutes, um, and then obviously Spurs got that 
fucking ridiculous penalty. I mean, it was never a penalty in a million fucking years, but sure. I don't know. England captain plays for Spurs. Fuck me. It's pretty obvious. Um, and Sky, like Sky, BT, they all, like, I'm just saying, like, lads, they didn't want Arsenal to finish top four. They didn't, like, t- tell me otherwise they didn't, because Gary Neville uh, is a fucking cock. Gary <laughs> Neville has turned into that little fucking weasel that played for Man United all in years ago. He is such a little prick because Man United are doing shit on Arsenal on the up because he predicted at the start of the year Arsenal would be nowhere near the top four and he couldn't see what Arsenal's plan was by ban all these youth players, Gary. I think it's pretty fucking obvious what Arsenal were doing last summer, you clown. Like, I mean, come on. like, And then Mike Dean. Mike Dean is gone, lads. He is gone. He cannot hurt me anymore. I cannot be hurt by Mike Dean. It is such a relief. They're actually doing so. I'm telling you, you see Mike Dean and them other two. I can't remember the name of the other two referees that are retiring this year. And Martin Atkinson. They 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 were hoofed out. There's no doubt. They were hoofed out. There's no way they were just retiring. Like they were hoofed out the door. So um, yep, we'll we'll take on the Europa League next year. We'll play United in the final. Ned will probably beat us, I'll cry, and then we'll finish like fifth again, and then we'll be back here all over again. <laughs> so, I love it. This just keeps drawing you back in, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I, I don't subscribe to the uh, to the Sky BT theory as much as JD, but I do subscribe to the Hurricane theory, I'm not going to lie. I, I think he gets away with blue murder um, because he's the only Yes, captain. he does. Yeah. Well, do you want another reason why I think that? And it's not just like the Spurs game. I don't know if you've watched the game on Sky, but Martin Taylor and Gary Neville were literally pulling the balls. And apologies, if this is very graphic. Off Harry Kane and Spurs in that game, like and Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville jumping in, celebrating with the Brentford fans, first game in the season. Like they shouldn't be doing that. Like all honesty, seriously, like they shouldn't be doing that. That's just ridiculous for someone who's meant to be presenting a game. Just sit and jump in with fucking Brentford fans and celebrate and giving it ninety for fucking the first game of the season, like and just because it was Arsenal. If it was Man United, Gary Neville wouldn't be doing that. If it was Liverpool, Jimmy Carragher wouldn't be doing it. So I mean, yeah, yeah, they have to be impartial, like, and they weren't. It's been fucking ridiculous, like some of the games they've commentated on this year. I I can't I can't listen to Sky's commentary anymore. No, I I, I watched I watched the game. I won't watch any of the build up to the game. I won't watch anything at the end. I'll I'll catch what they said in the you know post match game um, interview. Sorry, you know on Twitter later on in the evening. Like, but I won't watch it. It's just it's too bad. It's ridiculous. The only the only I decent do, one I, I think is Mika Richards. Yeah, I I, I, I like Mika Richards. I, I just I watch it um, on other means, but I just don't I don't watch Sky coverage. Refuse to watch Sky coverage. Uh, just can't hack it. Just. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think they wanted uh, Arsenal to, f- to fail in the top four. I do agree, as Brenton said, with the Harry Kane thing. You, you mean you just have to look what happened in the Liverpool game at uh, the new White Hart Lane and how he was tackle on Robertson. Um, but on Sky's coverage, just not, not to bring it back into what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but I just can't. The two of them, Neville and Carragher, uh, I just find them puke. I try for. It wasn't my choice, but Dad had Sky on for <clears throat> the the Wolves game, and I didn't want to put it on, but he's too set in his ways <laughs> to uh, change it back, and um, so we had to listen to it. And I actually I couldn't listen to Carragher at times; I had to turn the TV down because he was just talking bollocks when it was one all um, about Liverpool, and I was just like, "You're trying to you're trying to go too much the other way now." 
uh, rather than just you know be an actual commentator. I find like on Virgin Media, Dave McIntyre and um, here he's with a brilliant Peter Drury. If you get him with Jim Beglin, unbelievable, both of them, or Peter Drury with anyone actually. Ali McCoist and John Thing when they do Amazon Prime, they're on real together. And there's a even when Ali McCoist does uh, Rangers and Celtic games at times, there's no bias with him. Like you can tell he's just there, and like it's Ali McCoist and it's Rangers are playing. You'd think he'd be all into it and thing, but he's not. And I just find the other two have just gone too far the other spectrum now. Um, and I'm not going to get into Martin Tyler because we don't have a sister here to back up what I'll end up saying and get myself in, in a lot of trouble. But I just hope he fucks off the face of the earth very soon. Um, so I think there, oh, can I just say it quickly? Sorry. Yeah. Not to divulge. Um, but I think those two have been, I don't know how long they've been on now, but I think they're getting boring. Um, I think like the, the MNF Monday Night Football was like, a great concept like of something we hadn't seen for football in this country when they started doing it and it was in-depth and it was tactical and it was you know long-form analysis um but i think they both of them are too like entrenched in their uh, in their views um and we've just been seeing their face on like everything they put out for for the last like 10 years i think they could do with refreshing their talent maybe um i don't know who that would be but um yeah it's i don't i'd watch it um but it bores me a little bit i think the best uh the best one is the monday night club on bbc5 live mm. by miles and you can watch it now Um i just think it's it's Chapman, Micah Richards, Chris Sutton, and, and Rory Smith. I think it's a really great mix together, and um, I think it but it 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 beats Sky every time. Um, Stephen, you've been awfully very quiet. We've had Johnny's take on Arsenal season. United were sixth behind them. Uh, Ten Hags in goes to his first game beat by Palace. Nice, um, but season's over. So, what happens now? Um, it's hard to know. Um, <clears throat> he's not the most charismatic manager I've ever come across. Um, but you know, you'd have had like buckets of charisma in their managers since Ferguson. So maybe it's, it's no harm to have, have someone who's a bit more technical and a bit more tactical. Um, transfer window is going to be really interesting. Um, because the thing is, it's not like United haven't spent money. They just spend money on the wrong players. Um, when you consider, and we spoke about this briefly last week, Phil, like when you consider the success of Liverpool scouting department, um, and what they've the, the, the price of players are they're after being able to buy and the success that they've had, you know, haven't really a player and whether outside of Fernandez, and I know people have given Fernandez a, a hard time recently, but like. He's still, like, in terms of goal involvement, since he moved to Premier League, he's in the top two, three players. Um, so, like, that's the one success story from the United kind of thing. And, they, and even when they spend money, like, you know, Man City used to go out and spend money and, you know, they usually get success with it. United don't, like Harry Maguire, Varane. Um, a lot of it doesn't work. Pogba, Jesus, like... So I don't know what you do. I think you 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 just have to give him time. It's 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 a long rebuild, and I think 
I think a lot of United fans that I speak to are are starting to realise that now, that it's there's no quick fix to this. They've tried the quick fix solution, and now it's root and branch kind of, right, let's go back to what made has always made Manchester United a good team, which is investing in youth, bringing players through, um, and developing a system that you can actually put, put your finger on and go, yeah, that's how Manchester United play football. And that all seems really... It seems a million miles from what we've seen since like 2013, 2014. Um, and I hope, just hope he's getting the time to do it um, because that's the one thing we've seen with Ten Hag. Um, and even to a certain extent with, 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 with Ragnik, like, I mean, those systems don't just come in overnight. You need to have players who buy into it, like from the very start. And I think from a, like a really micro point of view, you see that with like the, Republic of Ireland football team, like when Stephen Kenny first came in with that system, nobody kind of had played it before, didn't get it. Now the players that he played with or he coached at under 21 level are starting to come through. The team in general looks much more comfortable with, with the formation and the results are coming out of that. And I think that's the kind of thing that you'll start to see from United. I'm hoping. I think that's the all we have as a match United is hope. There's literally nothing else. Part of me actually wanted United to um, to get a, a Conference League spot uh, just for the chance to win that trophy. Um, and I think it's a cool tournament. Like, you look at the final tonight between Roma and Fjellner, that feels like a European final. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, like, there's no doubt it was an absolutely disappointing season. I mean, they, they got, what, eight points from their last nine games in the Premier League? Like... That's nowhere near good enough. Um, it's it, it was a pretty grim end to the season, but in, at, at, at the, the other side of it was like I actually got to watch a lot of other football because I had no interest in watching United. And you know, there's there's lots of uh, lots of positives to come from your team not actually being involved in anything at the business end of the season. So I know how like. Everton fans usually feel and you know, you know, with nothing to play for for the last three months of the season. So um this year excluded. But yeah, look, it is what it is, and I, I wish him well, but it's hard. I think it feels like it needs a lot of senior players um probably won't be there in two two seasons' time. Um don't think you'll get rid of them all straight away because don't think you can rebuild a team like that. But um yeah, it's like it, We'll see where it goes, but I, I don't have a huge amount of, uh, of of positivity towards it at this moment. Are you excited, Bam? Um, no, I think I've had to like I've had a decade <laughs> nearly now of of this learned not to get <laughs> learned not to be excited about these things. Um, but I was excited. But the thing was, I was I, I was excited about um. Van Hal and I thought Moyes would do a good job. So like maybe like maybe I've been the one that's been wrong all this time, you know. I thought Mourinho was a bad appointment. I was never a Solskjaer fan. Um I think I just, it'll take a few years to be honest, Steve. Like yeah, absolutely. You think about Arteta at Arsenal, like I mean, the first couple of seasons there were they're fucking grim to be quite honest. I didn't think he was gonna make it even to this stage. Um you can see even the improvement this year with us, you know. It'll be a couple of years before United are, you know, back to even challenging the top two, top three. Like so, I, I can understand why you maybe don't feel excited because until you can see a team on the pitch who's gonna 
perform every week and actually will fight for the badge. It's it's hard to feel excited, especially when you do have the likes of someone like Paul Pogba, who was meant to come in and be the mainstay in Manchester United's midfield for the next five to six years. Like, and Ronaldo's meant to be scoring goals and Cavani and Rashford. And then, of course, we'll not really talk about Greenwood. Like, But, you know, you had so many players there who were meant to be, you know, big talents and it just hasn't worked. And it's going to take Ten Hag a couple of years to get rid of the dead wood and bring in what he wants. But he's won there already, I think, in Van de Beek. You know, if he can get him back playing the way he was for Ajax, he's a good player there. Like. But what it needs, I think your Pogba is the perfect example of what, you know, what made Pogba or makes Pogba a success for France is the type of player you put beside him. You need to put a Kante or a player like that beside him for Pogba to excel. You know, he never did that. Like you had Fred and Matic and Fernandez, like and you know, all of them bringing their own thing. Yeah, McTominay, Jesus Christ, like. Um, <laughs> so, like, I think that's what it needs. It needs a manager who doesn't just think this player is good. They have to look at what makes him good. And make sure you facilitate that in, you know, um, for like the next few years or whatever. But look, I think you're right. I think that's the point. It's, it's it's because it's not going to be next season. Like, I mean, they won't qualify for Champions League next season, no matter what he does. Um, so it is. It's a it's a three or four year rebuild, and that's really hard to get excited by. Like, it's like we're so used to instant gratification now, you know, that it's, it's because we, you see a team like Liverpool and they're bringing a player like Diaz and he has that instant impact and you go, okay, we can lose Mane or Salah, Salah now because we have a ready-made replacement. You know, you need like eight, nine ready-made <laughs> replacements and you don't do that in one or two transfer windows. So Yeah, and that's you, that's like you basically, sorry, Paddy, you're using Liverpool there as an example, like you're basically just like three or four years behind them because they had to wait, you know, they had a lot of deadwood to shift and you want to be the in thing that position for where... is, the, the thing for us, uh, and I know Paddy's the same, when Klopp, when we signed Klopp, there was a, uh, the buzz was ridiculous. It was like, we'd, it was, I saw someone say today, it was like we'd won a trophy. There was, whereas, there hasn't been that with Ten Hag yet, which is probably why you're at the minute, Steve, in a bit like, Overwhelms, maybe not the right word, but you know what I mean? You're just a bit like, because this season was such a slog, but so it's probably going to be a bit harder for you to give Ten Hag patience, whereas Liverpool, like, telling everyone, and I'm going to start again, and we'd have been like, yeah, no ball, you're going to turn on, and we'll get right back, you know, from straight away, or, but, like, I think Ten Hag will get it right, whether... You get what I'm what I mean. I don't know if he'll get it right where he'll win league and Champions League, but I think he'll get it right where they'll be eventually under him, they'll be banging them in, in the fight for everything. Like, uh, it'll just depend on what, um, obviously City can do and obviously what Liverpool do next and, and the end of stop tenure. And Chelsea have new owners now, which Ben's going to touch on briefly, I'm sure, in a minute. And Arsenal coming back and and Spurs are in the mix too, so it is just it's deadly, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. My night are always, they're always one of, if not the storyline, because of they were winning the league for so long and then it just went fucking to put. And now that's that's what's happened since. But um, it'll not be dull anyway. I don't think for you, Steve. Um, next season, uh, Brenton. Before we move on and finish up with myself and Paddy, touch on Liverpool losing the league again. Um, how did Chelsea? We talked with this uh, away from. 
obviously the podcast, me and you, and I think I've, me and Steve talked about it last week. Just coming into the last third of the season and in the league again, just fell away. What the, Can you put your finger on it? What Do you think it was just with everything going on, the fact Roman Abramovich was involved in a war and the club was taken off from this year or because it happened last year? Is What do you think happened? Um, it is hard to put your finger on, but I think all um all of the above probably contributed um i think probably uh, um yeah they, they played a lot of games this season chelsea um they obviously had the start with the super cup and club world cup and um then they had the whole uh sanctions issue i think they probably just ran out of gas towards the end um and sort of just for a couple of weeks there it was a bit concerning and they're in a position where they they can afford to dip a wee bit last coming into the last couple of weeks of the season which is a weird position to be in um but i think we always kind of knew that when it came to it that they would get over the line um i think last season it was worse because they ended up finishing fourth actually and they were third for so long um but yeah I, th- I think it's just first of all i think Tugel has been brilliant like i think he's he's handled it we've mentioned it a couple of times um before about the personal stuff he's he's been dealing with along with all of this public stuff happening with chelsea um he had to talk about a war um that his current owner had been involved in which obviously is not an easy task thought he handled it brilliantly um and he, he looks like he needs a break, uh, definitely. Um, I think yeah. he'll be glad to to get this new ownership over the line and to start sort of start fresh discussions with fresh people um, about his targets and about um, what he wants to do. It's almost as if this season was just kind of. I, I know they won a couple of couple of sort of we'd call them minor trophies, um, but this season is almost like you could just lift it out and next season is like a continuation of the champions league winning team and Tuchel's plans for what that is because basically his plans got, got completely fucked up um with everything that went on um so you know excited to still have him there i think he's he's the most important asset that chelsea have at the minute and um hopefully he can you know, it's going to be slightly rebuilding. And we're talking about United rebuilding. There's going to be some rebuilding to do at Chelsea too, with with the players that that they're losing, especially in the back line. Um, Lukaku's still a big issue. Um, goal scoring. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll touch on that later. Um, with our our reviews and awards of the season, not all of them being positive, but yeah, strange, strange out of season. But um, there wouldn't be Chelsea if it wasn't strange. <laughs> And uh, we'll we'll probably do a Chelsea bit of a tie in on a special with the Champions League final uh, when all the Todd Bowley stuff gets signed, sealed, and delivered, and he's done his first proper press conference. Um, give you a bit of time to get into that, Brenton, as well. Um, mm-hmm. I did see Jonathan Liu tweeted out today. Whoop whoop! It's the sound of the Bowley, which is obviously the sound of the police song. If any of you know it, which I thought was very good, and it's been stuck in my head all day. And I really hope someone at Chelsea in the fan base. 
makes it into a song next season. So I quite enjoy that song. Uh, Paddy uh, didn't go our way. Then. Well, we won our game at the end of the season, but unfortunately, Aston Villa trolled us, the pricks. Um, no, Man City's three goals in five and a half minutes, I think it was. Gundogan coming on to um, to win it. And then talk about Jurgen Klopp after it, which is nice and weird. Um, but one more game to go. So are you a bit like me where it's it's hard really to get too annoyed by what happened this season? I know I talked to you on Sunday night. You you were a lot you were a lot more frustrated than I was. Uh, I was frustrated, you know, for 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 a time it looked like it might happen, but realistically, I think that we were even in with a shout in the last day it was testament to how good the second half of the season was. Um, I think I would have been more annoyed if Liverpool hadn't have won their game and City hadn't have won their game. I think the fact that it was out of our hands, it's my brother coming in the door. Uh, I think the the fact that it was kind of out of our hands and um, kind of cushioned the blow a bit for me. I wasn't too wasn't too bothered. I kind of got over it quickly. Um, my brother's staying with me in Belfast tonight. So he's literally coming in the dogs, getting very excited. Um, he's maybe the only only person excited to see one. Um, <laughs> Um, but no, I'm all right. I think I think the the game on Saturday is like potentially era defining. I think if Liverpool can get over the line, and that's two European Cups, um, you know, in the space of three years, um, four years, it'll be it'll be phenomenal. Like, um, so I think I think it's big. I think it's a really big game on Saturday. Um, hopefully, get over the line. But the league season was brilliant. Liverpool played some class football, and there were no journalists to give them a a shot of the league at all at the start of the year but um with all those defenders coming back i think liverpool were were fantastic like they were just kind of machine like again like they had been the season before last so um yeah it was it was fun to be a liverpool fan this year very very fun yeah i i got asked this and work about it on monday and it was sort of the same feeling same way as well and i was actually telling my father-in-law the same thing like it's to have to just to, to be in with chance ch- chance of winning all four and to bring, I don't want to keep bringing the league title down to the last day of the season because that's absolute nuts. That's not good for anyone's heart rate. Um, but to, this ride that you're on, we're on at the minute, um, has has been the best for us as Liverpool fans. Like these last six, seven, whatever years is a clop, and um, hopefully, as you said, we can get. Seventh Champions League slash European Cup one on Saturday night, and if we don't and we get beat by Real Madrid again, it's going to sting. It's going to be annoying, but it'll be the same as that season where they didn't win it. Do you know, we, me and Paddy talk about this quite a bit. The 2017-18 season. Um, we're talking about it recently, actually, Paddy, because we watched me and Paddy watched a lot of the games and a lot of the Champions League games in Paddy's house in Belfast, and it was just the maddest season. It was just, there was the 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 city absolutely thumping city in the quarterfinals, having uh, the time of our lives against Roma. I think everyone, even the Roma fans, are a good chance. Well, not, I don't mean before the game, I mean the actual games themselves, the amount of goals being scored. It was just chaos. Um, that was such a season. And, and this has felt quite similar to that, only the, the team has been a lot more steady. The results have been a lot more obviously machine-like, but it's still been like hectic. Origi having scored in the last minute against Wolves in the league. Um, having to come back against Villarreal in the Champions League, uh, two cup finals, sorry, Brenton, against Chelsea and having to win them on penalties. 
which again is not good for anyone. Um, and then just, especially yeah, me. And, yeah, especially you, <laughs> And then still have like the, like Steve, you went through this oh eight, nine, and eleven, like three Champions League final in the space of three or four years is like. You you can't I know and I know certain people will want to dig in and certain probably certain Liverpool fans if, if it doesn't go away will be giving off about this and giving off about that. But you can't like you, you really can't. You have to sort of look at it and go, We're very, very, very lucky. Very lucky. There's still things you want the club to do. I don't mean don't mean about that, but just in terms of a fan at the minute and watching the team, we're very, very lucky and it'd be quite hard to be critical of things. But yeah, look, fair play to City to score three goals in five minutes, thirty six seconds is unreal. Um complete kicking stones uh, and just you, you only have to hold your hands up and say feck it but for that sort of 10 to 15 minutes where it looked like it might go our way again and it was again wheels were involved was just uh, such a surreal moment but look we'll go again next season see what happens and uh, hopefully for me and Paddy it's works out for us but one of you two may as well get involved too so you never know um, Erard balls it again Phil yeah, he took. Uh, only, I only found out today that he took Coutinho off. Like, fuck me, Stevie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, enjoy I it, lad. Like, I, really, I really, someone... just do enjoy it. Like, it's, I mean, when, when, like, it comes around once every 20 or 30 years, sporting your club. Like, like, I've, when I experienced like Arsenal being at the top, I was just, you know, a young lad, young teenager, like, you know, never experienced it as an adult, like, of Arsenal being on top like you know the way liverpool are now and <clears throat> like i've i've seen that liverpool team in the flesh today they absolutely ripped us to shreds it was fucking ridiculous like um which time you know was what, that like, sorry which time was that <laughs> um my my first away game for arsenal Um, it was that, that 2017 2018 year um 4-0 yeah 4-0 goal that one Yep, I was seeing yeah. the whole thing. By it was, you know what? I can actually <laughs> say that's I was I seen that Liverpool team play like in the flesh. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's I suppose it's and I'd put them right up. Like, I mean, I don't know what you last think about this Liverpool team. Like, but obviously, like I wasn't alive in the eighties and all that bullshit. Like, but they really must be right up there, like with one of the best Liverpool teams ever. Like, they must be, like, uh... they must be right up there, like. They're just just the consistency. I think, with them. I like think if they, just, if, they, if they do if if they do win on Saturday night, it, it'd be very hard to argue against it. Um, there's obviously the Liverpool side of the eighties one. Um, I think they well there was there was players involved in seventy eight, eighty one, and eighty four, but the Liverpool side of the eighties under Paisley, I think they won five leagues and two European cups and a couple of league cups. Uh, yeah. People will come back and say a name. I don't. I I can't imagine me and Paddy will experience one as good. Um, Look what you're up do, against. We'll be quite old. You're up against you know, like the the financial power of Man City, and you've ran them right to the line like twice. Like, yeah. I mean, any other year, you'd win the league. And I mean, I suppose yeah. that. I suppose that. Yeah, I said Spurs this to, I, like maybe. <laughs> I said this to Steve. Um, I think Steve was he don't he'll not tell anyone, but he's actually quite sound. And he was texting me about the, the <laughs> match of the day and um I did, to to have to go over ninety points again and come second again is a bit of a kick in, in the stones, do you know what I mean? It 
that shouldn't really be the you know teams you were able to win the league on 74 80 points years ago do you know and it's 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 tight but look uh, someone called them uh Cruyff's holland only the one things whereas Cruyff's holland were unreal but just kept falling at the hurdle i think that's a wee bit unfair because they have actually won major 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 honors but i can sort of see what they mean was they Cruyff's Hall, uh Holland kept coming up against teams getting beat just at the wrong time. Do you know what I mean? Or just like City have come across us. But well, we'll see what happens next season. It, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, and I hope Saturday rounds it off quite well. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but one thing I, I will I, say, I, I think you couldn't. I think you couldn't class Liverpool as one of the greats ever if they don't win more. Personally, like yeah. I know they're unbelievable, but no one's going to yeah. say, "Oh, that that team were great. They they got ninety odd points twice, but they didn't win the league." Like I. If, like you were saying about some of Paisley's teams are winning five leagues, I think Liverpool won like eight leagues in 11 years. Like, there's no like winning one league title probably isn't enough of a return as good as City are yeah. to be classified as the greatest ever. Like, what adding no. another European Cup or two and a, and a league maybe in Klopp's rest of his time, if we're really, really lucky, um, might put you right up there. But I, I still don't think you can count it. Like, there's Chelsea no, that, teams that have won Champions Leagues and leagues and stuff but you know yeah like, well, Chelsea that's, that's why and I think the, 21 yeah I think that's why I think the Holland comparison maybe works better at the minute than someone saying that they're the greatest team but I, I agree I don't think they, they are until they do win two more of the major honours so shall we put it as the Premier League and the uh, the Champions League and they have a good chance to, to add to that uh, on Saturday, but we'll see. But it's been it's been unreal. It's been another great season. It's not over yet. Um, hopefully, <clears throat> I, as Mo Salah says, it gets sorted on Saturday. Here he I, goes. Yeah. No. 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 Look, I think if Liverpool don't win another two league titles, you have to classify Klopp's time as being a missed opportunity. Um, given the quality of players they've had given how good a coach he is. Like, if Liverpool beat Spurs, what, with three games to go, they win the Premier League. Like, yeah. that, it's it, it's as simple as that. And um, that's this, but I, and I know what we're saying is like, you know, it was easier to win the Premier League when you could win it with 78, 80 points, whatever. I, I completely get that. But likewise, when you were winning the league with 78, 80 points, a team in the bottom six could comfortably be a team in the top four at any on any given weekend. You don't have that anymore. Um, so at the moment, I think the cups are great, but I mean, I take two more Champions Leagues over two leagues. But like loads of teams have won the Champions League. Monaco have won the Champions League. Doesn't make them a great team. Like I think no, but I I, I this is me personally, and we and Brent talk about this tonight. At dinner, I would take. I didn't. I would take two more Champions Leagues over two Ask more Premier Pat Leagues. What he would take at Man City right now? Would he rather the Champions League this year? Or the the league? he's going to get. I, th- I think he's he's, <laughs> he he's ten for a Champions League. He's down for the league titles to back it up. Klopp doesn't in throughout his career. He's a cup manager predominantly throughout his career, and that's like look. He's coming up against an unbelievable team in Bayern Munich and an unbelievable team in Man City. But at some stage you have to, and it's in my it's in my um, 
one of my awards, like you have to ask, was it worth going after the quadruple when the Premier League was there to be won? Like that's a conversation that Liverpool fans have to have with themselves at the end of this season. If you win the three cups, maybe oh, it, yeah, it, was. it was worth it, right? But if the league was there to be won and you've won one league title in like 30 years, surely the league was the priority. Like, I just don't understand the mindset. Like, but they did not prioritize it. You basically won every league game for like three months. The, the only the only Spurs time they dropped points apart from when they <clears throat> drew with City was when they drew with Spurs. They won, I probably said they won every other league. Yeah, game. but if they, they, they beat, do they beat Spurs if they don't have a league final, league, league cup semi-finals, league, league five cup finals, FA Cup semi-finals, FA Cup finals? This is what I'm saying. Like smart teams when United were dominant, cup competitions were secondary to them, apart from the Champions League, obviously. And that's why they won every two memory leagues in every three years because the league was the thing. It was Ferguson's goal was to get to Liverpool's number and surpass it. I just yeah. feel like it feels a bit football manager y the way Klopp and Liverpool go about football. Uh, and like, don't get me wrong, like, look how like being competitive in every single game in a full calendar, like in a full football season, is an incredible achievement. But would you have lost, would you have taken no FA Cup, no League Cup for the Premier League? You absolutely would have. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, like, would it not be better I mean, to go out of the FA Cup in the quarterfinals and save your legs for that Spurs game? Because we saw, like, Klopp was resting players at that stage. No, That's I, I, I can't go back on it because I criticised Pep for going uh, weaker against us in the semi-final. There was a chance for Liverpool to go for all four, so they went for all four with everything they could. That doesn't come around often. I don't think they'll do the same next year, Steve. I, I, I think next year they might look at it and you might see them go out of one or two of the Cups. I don't think they'll do the same again next year, but they, they did have a chance. And they were 14 points behind City at one point two comeback. So it's hard. as you're. I know you're looking at it at a different angle than me and Paddy look at it because we went through that run, as Paddy just said, and it was just unreal. But I, I, not, I, I would rather have two Champions Leagues under Klopp before he goes than another league title. I, that I would be... Absolutely wasn't if we yeah. if we were, I know, we were I, champions I, twice it, more. It, it honestly because I, I used to, you you know what I text you on Sunday, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not this is not coming from a place of badness at all. It's no, no. just it's just that I would rather have a fresh Salah, a fresh Mane with three games to go in the league than have the League Cup title. Like I, I and then I have a League Cup medal. Like I just don't see the benefit of it. Like you know, it's that kind of thing. And you know yeah. how I feel about the FA Cup as well. Like so, maybe it's okay. I'm, yeah, I'm seeing. So. But I think okay. just this season to go, they were going for all four when it presented themselves. So they had to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you look, like he played Southampton last week and made nine changes. I almost had a fucking stroke when I saw the team news <laughs> coming out. Um. And, and they won, so maybe maybe he could have done that. But yeah. um, and they got they basically got to the quarterfinals of the cups by playing reserves. Like it was only till yeah. the, like semi and final they actually played a full team. Really, you can just say mm. also the Premier League this year, bar Watford and Norwich, any team from above them two could beat anybody on their day. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like look look at Brighton this year. Fucking hell, some of the results they got this year is ridiculous. I mean, it's been such a competitive league, and you you can look back at years gone by and teams that have won the leagues and whatever, and 
you know, could you argue the competitiveness of the teams back then, you know, the fitness, everything, you know, training facilities, everything compared to now and the powerhouse that is Man City with the unlimited financial resources they have. It's fucking ridiculous. Like they've went out and bought Haaland for next year. It, it shouldn't even be fair. Like Mbappe is signed on PSG with a hundred million euro a week or something, or a million euro a week or something <laughs> mad like that. Sorry, hundred million, he'd be doing well, wouldn't he? Um, it's just, it's just it's ridiculous. Like these teams, yeah, like, and, and I, I understand where, and I don't want to go off course in Liverpool, I understand where Real Madrid are coming from, but Real Madrid go fuck themselves, as far as I'm concerned, making complaints. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Liverpool are fantastic, lads. They are fantastic. And any other year that win the league, um, like if you look at Chelsea under Mourinho's first season, was it 95 points they got or something? Um, they finished above this Liverpool team. So, I mean, there's, there's arguments from every end, from different years and whatever. Like, so... You just gotta enjoy it, lads. Like James McNicholas said on a podcast this week, even though Arsenal finished fifth, they're finishing very positively because the fans are connected with the team and they're enjoying the football again. And you can see it with the Liverpool fans. They know they have one of the best managers in the league in the world. He's they'll probably not have anybody like him again for fucking god knows how long. You just gotta enjoy every moment. Even if you don't win the league, even if you only win two cups this year, you've had a great season, you'll have great memories. Phil had great memories with his dad watching games. Paddy's had great memories. Branton's had, uh, I've had. Uh. Like Arsenal give me like a million heart attacks this year and give me hope just to crush my dreams. And <laughs> You just got to enjoy it. You just got to enjoy the roller coaster, boy. It's just, it's football. Like it's great. Um, Before we move on, just because we want to get through these awards and um, I know this is a bumper podcast anyway, but it's interesting to like, that's an interesting point about Klopp being a cup manager and maybe things not being, um, not, I, don't, I don't think you said successful because he's still successful, but no, he's still, everybody still can, and he's still brilliant. Like he's still a yeah. brilliant manager. Yeah. Like everybody compares him. Everybody compares him to Shankly, right? Everybody says that this is the rebirth, re, rebirth of uh, Bill Shankly. The way he's got the club, the club are in a cesspit. He's got them all together again. Shankly only won three uh, league titles. And two FA Cups, and he won a UEFA Cup. But you wouldn't think that when you go back and think, you sure you wouldn't? Like, you just wouldn't you go back and think, yeah. fuck, it was, clean. it was actually Paisley came behind him who completely cleaned up um, and did so much. Never won the FA Cup, though, but completely cleaned up and did so much. So I, I do get what you're saying, too, Steve. I do understand what you mean by that. And um, if you finish it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to both City and Liverpool when Pep and Klopp go. And who makes the better decision? Because there's there's an opportunity. If say like the, I honestly think the best thing that could have happened Liverpool in the Premier League is City to win the Champions League because I think Pep fucks off then. I think he's done. Um, no. If he wins the Champions League, no, no. no, I think he is. Like the, all he wants to do is prove he can win it without Messi. Like that is his entire driving force. Um, but we don't want him to win it, Steve. Oh no! As long as City and PSG never win a Champions League, I will die a happy man. Like, but um, yeah, no. But like, I think from a Liverpool point of view, if I was a Liverpool fan, I would be aching for City to win a Champions League because I think Pep goes then, and then I don't think they're. I think City are a combination of the enormous amount of money they have, which Manchester United have shown isn't always a benefit, and a really, really good coach. And I think if you lose that coach, who's the replacement? Like if City lose Pep in the morning, who comes in? Like there's nobody there. Like that, and there's nobody in his back room that you would think 
does Arteta go to City? Like, don't, don't want to put the frighteners up you, Johnny. Like, but like, it doesn't feel like he's the right man for the job either. So, yeah. it, it, I think, you know, I think Phil and, and Paddy, you've both spoken before about maybe Liverpool have the better succession plan in terms of manager. For, not that you want to lose Klopp and you don't want to lose him anytime soon, but I think the experience of Arsenal, the experience of United, the experience of Chelsea post Mourinho. The next man in is such an important decision, and more times than not, teams get it wrong. Um, so that's why Paddy or Johnny's right. Like, just enjoy it because, like, seasons like this shouldn't happen. Seasons like this, where you are literally five minutes from winning the Premier League title as part <laughs> of Liverpool, should not happen in modern football. And like, you know, it's easy for me to say it'll be a disappointing season if you just have the League Cup and FA Cup final because I don't have the emotional attachment to what you've gone through this season. But like, I know what a, I know what like that, that, that as Phil said, those three Champions League finals in five years, like you get used to it. You you come to expect that your team is going to reach a Champions League final, and all of a sudden you find yourself at the end of the season hoping that West Ham beat Brighton so you can play. (laughs) (laughs) It changes so quickly. So, Um, Right, we'll get on to our awards here because uh, we have a few to get through and obviously we don't want to keep on this podcast for too long. Um, So what I'm going to do, I haven't told you lads, I'm going to do this, so surprise! Um, We're going to go through the awards. You're going to tell me your pick for the young player and you're going to give me a quick and i'm going to be harsh here a quick answer as to why um we'll give brenton have you got the tweets up do you know the results or can i get the one we get them on my phone here no i can get them uh brent's gonna get the results up of our polls and when then we'll give our results so paddy if it's okay we go with you first you ready uh yes young your young I... player of the year patrick yeah, I don't subscribe to the, this. What is it? Under twenty three bullshit. Like Trent shouldn't be in the wrong for a young player, like or yeah. Declan Rice or any of that shit. Um, so I think he should be a teenager at least. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go book book Osaka. I think he's unreal. Uh, I think he's really upped his game this year after what was a disappointing end of the Euros for him, like missing a penalty as anyone can. But he's come back strong. He's such a threat, and um, I think he's a class player. So I'm, I'm gonna say Osaka. Brenton, who did you go for? Exact same. Um, and basically, I'll, I'll not keep it too long. Exact same reasons as well. I think he got just unexplicable abuse um, after the Euros. And as Paddy says, the, the age he is and to bounce back like that and have, you know, I don't know, did he win Arsenal's player of the year? But he, he maybe should have um, because he was just unbelievable. He was the the threat all the time playing Arsenal. Um and I think fair play at him. He he's been fantastic and will continue to get better. Steven I feel like Johnny's gonna pick Saka as well and Saka was my choice. Um so for the avoidance of uh us all saying the same thing. He was actually he was my choice. I mean eleven goals, seven assists, a phenomenal return. I actually think Connor Connor Gallagher um deserves a nod. I think it shows that you can feel out of place at a big club um, and maybe move away isn't the worst thing you can do. And I thought he was instrumental, especially in the first two thirds of the season, to some of the better um, Palace results. So it's Saka really, but just to change things up and going for a kind of 
Um, I also went with Bakayo Saka just quickly. Um, can't wait to Liverpool sign him. So I'm gonna laugh at Johnny, but he was just unreal. Um, he just he's, he he Bakayo Saka is a bit like Luis Diaz. You, when he gets the ball, you're like, what's he gonna do next? Um, when you're playing against him, you're like, oh fuck, what is he gonna do next? Um, he's a, a stupendous, a brilliant, brilliant talent, and I think, um, away from the penalty shootout incident last year uh, at the Euros. For Southgate to get him involved in games and to show so much trust in him before that and to then have his arm around him and look after him afterwards. And we don't really mention this, but I think Gareth Southgate's been brilliant for him that way as well, international duty. You could see when Saka came back to Arsenal for the season, despite the horrible abuse he had been getting, he was like a, he was like a, a, a young man. Like, you know, he was he was ready to go. He was ready to carry the Arsenal uh, charge forward and he was he was on rail all season so um yeah i think he uh, the talk about phil Foden and different things being the boy wonder i actually think it's it's going to be saka eventually uh, everyone's going to be looking at it and saying what a, what a fantastic footballer johnny yeah um obviously saka as well like um i i, I see what <clears throat> you did mention phil Foden there but when you look at the team that Phil Foden plays in, I mean, if you put Saka in that position, he may score more than eleven goals this season. Like, you know what I mean? He's he's just fantastic. Like the, the young lads, like you say, came back from the Euros. All the abuse, even the, he's getting abuse from some fans at the beginning of the season as well. Um, and he stepped up and took the penalty against Chelsea, which he got a lot of credit for. Um. Obviously, Arsenal winning three two, but I mean, they kind of just sealed the game for them as well at Stamford Bridge, just to take that penalty and then take one against United only a few days later. Uh, he's on, he's unreal. I mean, to to be able to watch him every week playing playing for us, and obviously he's one of our own. Came through Hill End, fantastic player, and I think Steve Ray as well. Conor Gallagher deserves a shout out. He's been he's been great for Palace. Um, Chelsea have another player on their hands coming back next year, like but. Undoubtedly, Bukayo Saka. Everyone's kind of said what what needs to be said about him. Like he, he's just fantastic, and he is not going to Liverpool, sir. So don't get your hopes up. Thank Martin Alley. Okay. Um, <laughs> so our our next one is. Uh, and also, sorry, but I just said that Saka won the vote on on our polls as well. Yes. So. Yes. Good man, Brenton. So our next one was our biggest disappointment of the season, and up for this was Romelu Lukaku. Jack Grealish, um, who's tried to save that by getting absolutely pished on the uh, city um, bus trip. Uh, it wasn't much of a tour or a parade, um, and uh, <laughs> maybe tried to steal the limelight there. And it was probably his highlight of the season, actually, he was getting that drunk. Jaden Sancho and then uh, Raphael Varane, who I completely forgot played for my United. There you are. Um, so, Steve, first up for you, uh, what was your biggest disappointment out of that? Or if you had another one, chuck it in uh, of this season. I have I have a wild card. Um, Sancho and of course Greenish. you do. Sancho and Greenish are right up there. But I think for me, it's Arsenal's end to the season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, no, 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 listen to me, right? I talked about United having like eight points in the last nine games. Um, on the 20th of March, right, Arsenal had three game, three points in hand on Spurs and a game in hand, and they didn't finish in Champions League football. Like, yeah, as good as their season was up till then, you have to be disappointed with the end of the season when everything was in their control. 
Um, so that for me, um, in a non-player capacity, the biggest disappointment of the season was how Arsenal finished the season. Um, to let Spurs come from three points behind them to four points ahead of them over the course of, for Spurs, nine games. It's not, it's not great, but look, it's something to build on. And I'd, as you said, Johnny, and I agree with you, I'd much rather be in Arsenal's position than Spurs. Um, but for this season, when you're so close to it, for the same reason they talk about Liverpool not winning the title, when you're that close to it, it just it has to break your heart a little bit. So that, for me, is, is uh, the biggest disappointment of the season. Fair play, Steve, taking shots at everyone early in the podcast. <laughs> uh, Paddy, 50 minutes in. <laughs> biggest uh, disappointment of the season? I had written the name down without knowing the original options, um, so I'll throw it Good out. Man. First of all, I'd like to say Jack Grealish is an absolute dick like he, he really is he must have the best pr team ever like he got drunk at a like had a party got drunk during lockdown drove his car crashed into stationary wagons and like no one ever talks about it like he's he's an idiot and he's shown as much like he's he's barely contributed all season but he's plastered all over everything the last couple of days because he has a bit of crack with michael richards and has a beer he can fuck off to be honest he's <laughs> I'm not a fan, not a fan. Um, but the player that I, I thought Leon Bailey was going to like light the league up, I put him on the fantasy did, team yeah. at the start. I was like, this guy's going to be a baller. I used to kind of check the Bundesliga scores and he used to assist and score quite a few for Leverkusen. I was like, this guy's going to be unreal. Liverpool should have been in for him. Um, and he was absolute shit. Um, so I'm going to put Leon Bailey. Nice. A new one in by Paddy. Um, Johnny's eager to get involved here, but I'm going to keep him waiting so the tension builds. Uh, Brenton, the large one, what was your biggest disappointment? I'm so surprised nobody said it already. Big Rom. What a letdown. Um, <laughs> I saw it firsthand, week in, week out, and it slowly ground me down. Um, it did. It really did. I, I, I think everyone just thought after his first like two or three games that he was just gonna lead Chelsea to the league title, and um, you know, a disappointment in more ways than one. Obviously on the pitch, but the whole shit with the interview as well. What a disappointment that was. Um, and his form never really recovered. He scored a few goals. Um, you know, he'd need to. He'd need to do something special um, over the summer and, and next season to get himself um, back in favour. I mean, the Chelsea fans obviously didn't forgive him right away, um, but now it's kind of just out of neutral, I would say. Um, he, he, he would need to do a lot, I think, to, to get back into favour at Stamford Bridge. Otherwise, we're going to see um, another, you know, Murata situation where he just fades away and um, is a massive waste of money. Um, I I went with Lukaku myself, but uh, just with, with what Brenton said, I, I thought at the start of the season when Chelsea signed him that this was going to be a game changer and they just won, obviously, Champions League. He had just uh, lit up Serie A and uh, it must be something about England that he just... I don't know what it is when he plays Manchester United. I thought the, the, I remember saying the exact same thing when he signed Manchester United. Wow, look what they've got here now. And whatever it is, apart from when he's at Everton and West Brom, he just 
there's there's just something um, I don't know what it is, but my actual disappointment was that Everton didn't get relegated because I was really looking forward <laughs> to that, um, and I was going to really enjoy myself. Uh, but unfortunately, they they managed to scrape through. And fair play to them, they did. Me and Steve were on the podcast that night, and they came back from two goals down to to win three two and had wild scenes. So um, fair play to them for doing that. But hopefully next year, fingers crossed. Um, Johnny, what has been your biggest disappointment of the season? <laughs> Um, it hasn't been Arsenal anyway. Let me just make that clear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was so sinister. That was so sinister. I was actually a bit bad uh, <laughs> I mean, well, just just quickly, like no one expected us to be in the top four hunt. So, I mean, there's progress. That's Steve's opinion. That's fair enough. I can see why he thinks that. But if I'm going to listen to all, if I'm going to listen to everybody outside of the club about what they think of us, then you know I'll be in the pits. Anyway, um, I I thought Lukaku as well for the money paid for him for the return on goals and things. He was just a disaster. But I just want to give a special mention to Stephen Gerrard and Aston Villa. They have been a fucking disaster. <laughs> like they finished 14th, and the players they brought in and like yeah. Gerrard, Gerrard left Rangers. I give you that. I mean, they've been they've been shocking. To be honest, so yeah, Stevie and, G and Austin Villa probably top it for me. Paddy will know this. There's there's a part of me he's delighted, uh, because the the more shite he does, the less chance he has of taking over from Jurgen Klopp, which is going to be a complete disaster. Like I don't want an Alan Shearer, no thank you. Um, so keep keep going the way you're going, Steve lad, and uh, all the best at Villa. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Obviously, I want to see we Phil do well, but the rest can get fucked. Um, Actually, uh, as well, I know Paddy mentioned how much of a dickhead Jack Grealish is, but like on the pitch, what a disappointment! Also, he like yeah, he costs the same amount as Lukaku and does not get. He got about one brain cell, lad. That's why I, I didn't, um, I didn't vote for him because I he didn't play any games, so I thought, was, well, how am I going to vote for him? Because he hasn't actually played a game of football. He's just got pished, and then he's out with Wayne Lineker. So what does he? You know, what does Jack Grealish actually do on a pitch? I, I, the stat I think he gels his hair. Bandied, bandied around was um, oh he, he's the most foul player in the league. Who gives a fuck? Really? I think like, he, you know, he doesn't actually like. There's no numbers really behind him a lot of the time. I thought I the, the only good thing to come like post. I did not enjoy watching City celebrate their title win. Um, but the only good thing that come out of it was he was he actually was quite candid with Mika Richards about like, you know, why didn't we see the Jack Grealish we saw at Aston Villa at City? And he was talking about how the first thing Pep said to him was, "At Manchester City, we don't give the ball away," and you know Jack Grealish's game is built around taking risks. Well, it was at Villa it was built around taking risks and running at players. And and sometimes giving the ball away, and Roy Keane made a really good point where for once, where he he said like, well, he's gonna have to learn to dribble at players and not give the ball away because that's what that's the standard that um that Pep expects. But I thought it was a really fascinating insight into here's a player who feels the weight of the cost yeah. of his transfer, and I think Lukaku might be in the same boat. Um. When you come in with the expectation that some of these players come in, and this is the only hope I have for next year, that Haaland has like less than 10 goals next season because he's an absolute flop because of the weight of expectation on him. Um, it's just 10 after the first two games. It's just a reminder that footballers are human. Like Jack Reedish yeah. is a moron, don't get me wrong. Like, but we we're so 
like we get so technical and we talk about like stats so much and we talk about you know areas of possession and all that you forget that these guys are they're just like you know they have feelings and thoughts and and they're not just numbers on a screen and and Grealish really came across like that in that interview and then he came across as an absolute dickhead since but for the <laughs> first time since I thought he was going to be a Republic of Ireland player. I liked him again because of how honest he was <laughs> in that interview about how scared he was to lose possession. Like a professional footballer who is scared to to give the ball up. Like that's a weird thing for someone to say. And it doesn't it doesn't say a huge amount about Pep's man, man management because I don't know about any of, uh, any of you guys, but like we all have friends who we know will respond better to a kick in the arse or a hand around the back, like, or, you know, uh, an arm around the shoulder or whatever. Like, Pep doesn't seem to know that. You seem to have to adapt to him. And that's just a really weird way of coaching for me. And maybe, maybe it is an explainer of why he hasn't got over the line in the Champions League because he doesn't have the player buy-in that Klopp clearly has or whatever, you know? Anyway, that's my rant. It's a good point. Maybe who won the fan vote anyway? By the way, what? who won the fan vote for the biggest disappointment? Uh, uh, by a country man. Yeah. We Randa got any votes, Steve. So Randa did all right. Oh, did Randa do all right? Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so our surprise of the season, uh, and Johnny, you're going to go first here, and it was our choices were Everton, Manchester United, Brentford, or Brighton, or uh, another. If you have. Your surprise this season. So, Johnny, what what surprised you most this season? I think Everton is a good shout, to be fair. But for me, I think Arsenal are my biggest surprise. I did not expect them to be anywhere near getting top four or even in the race. I thought they'd maybe fight for sixth place or something like that, Europa League spots. Um, so for them to come close and just kind of blow it in the end was a surprise to me. I never never expected it, but it was a nice surprise. Hopefully they can go one better next year. But that's all I'm going to say on it because we need to get other people done here. So, yeah. <laughs> You're all right. I go quickly. I, I picked Brighton. I was one of the 6% to pick Brighton and I was surprised by them, not like where they finished or anything. I just was surprised how good they were um, and how well Graham Potter has them coached. They're a really, really good side to watch. Technically, um, really pleasing on the eye and some really brilliant little footballers like Cucurella, the, the fullbacks, class, <laughs> uh, Lamptey whenever he's fit was class. Um, yeah, a really good side. Enjoyed watching them, apart from when they clawed a rule back to two all uh, in the league. But apart from that, I enjoyed watching them throughout the season. A great side to watch. And long may it continue for, for Brighton, the Seagulls. Um, Steve, what was your surprise of the season? I didn't do my homework and look at what people were voting on. So I've gone with my own again. Um, do you know, like there was a couple of things. So Newcastle suddenly becoming interesting as a football team. Did not see that coming. Uh, Chelsea telling off under Tuchel. I, I predicted Chelsea would win the league this year. So it was completely yeah, taken aback by that. But actually the big one was Liverpool's quadruple bid because a lot of the assumptions around Liverpool was that 11 on 11, they matched Manchester City really, really well. And they matched any team in world football really, really well. But that they didn't have the squad depth. And I think what this quadruple bid has shown is that they probably have the best built squad in world football. And so that, to me, was the biggest surprise. Because I was in that camp of, yeah, first team, they're amazing, but they tail off. Um, but this has shown, as as Paddy said earlier on, like 
they played reserve teams up to the quarterfinals of, of you know the FA and League Cups. So have that having that depth, having some of the best young players in Europe there and ready to come in and those signings, that, that to me was the biggest surprise of the season. Uh Paddy. Yeah, just just to add to what Steve said, and they've added another young player, Fabio Carvalho, sort of being formally signed for basically peanuts, like five, six million pounds. Like um I don't know what he will become, but there's definitely a lot of potential there. So it's another great recruitment. And um, in terms of the biggest um surprise, again, I didn't know there were options, so I had written something else down. And um, I'm glad you made the effort to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote um Palace being decent, I thought they were going to get absolutely hooked this season. There are loads of players <laughs> that left in the summer. They brought in loads of players that a new coach um, who's had a checkered enough career, so managerial career so far. It hasn't all been playing sailing for Vieira, but Palace were, were pretty decent. Uh, a few good results, and they've got a few good young players coming through. So I'll go, I'll go for Palace. And the big man, Breton, to finish us off? Definitely Everton. <clears throat> I think nice. it wasn't us, but there was a few podcasts out there predicting Everton would finish in the top four, top five, Europa <laughs> League spots, etc. etc. Um I, I think um with thank God it wasn't us. But um I, I think uh yeah, with um Benitez coming in, um people thought that was gonna elevate them um to challenge uh, with the big clubs. Um worked the complete opposite way around um and the, the biggest surprise was that they continued to struggle um just about got over in the end but uh yeah I, I, it's one of those ones that you can't see them making that mistake again like being ever that low and they got away like they got away with one because if they went down it's one of those ones they would lose most of their players and would they come back up for a long, long time. So, um, yeah, massive surprise to see Everton in a relegation battle. You couldn't have convinced me of that at the start of the season. And our winner of it was actually Everton on forty-seven percent. So, uh, well done, Everton. You can have an open-top bus parade now. You've you've won something. Um, Babel end of uh, the biggest talking point this year. So we had four options. Who knows if Paddy and Steve looked at them? Um, <clears throat> they no are signing. Newcastle's takeover, big Roman and Brownwich getting hoofed, or the relegation sackings. Um, I'll go first. I picked, I was biased and I picked Luis Diaz because I was excited when he came in and then I couldn't believe how much he added. And as Paddy said, like the second half of the season, Liverpool are amazing. And anytime anyone that knows more about me than football mentions Liverpool in the second half of the season, they mention Luis Diaz um, and what he does. And just as a fan, like it's, like I'm, I'll be 34. That's like 15 years younger than Steve in July, and it's a. Uh, I'm I'm like a I'm like a 10 year old boy when he gets the ball to his feet. I'm just stupidly excited to see what he's going to do next. Uh, it's just been amazing. So that's been my my vote for that one. Uh, Brenton, what about yourself? Did you? I kind of know where you're going to go with this. Did you go for big Rome getting hoofed in the out of the road and Chelsea being taken off him? Yeah. Um... I feel like I talked more about that this season than actual Chelsea performances and Chelsea results. Um, just wild, just absolutely wild. Again, if you'd have said at the start of the season that uh, the Chelsea owner would be in, involved in a world war, um, well, actually, it's maybe not not that unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but 
it uh, it was a crazy crazy time at the club um just many many podcasts many many articles on it um and yeah probably just because it's my club i feel like that might be a a bit of a biased answer but um yeah such a talking point all season i'll be glad to um to move on to the next era paddy what was yours I'll go with, with Diaz as well. Um, if you make, made you feel like a 10-year-old boy, you made me feel like a just post-pubertal boy like that gets a little bit excited <laughs> whenever he gets the ball because um, <laughs> he is unbelievable. Um, and he's, he might force the decision with Salah, actually. He might either go this summer or maybe agree to stay as, see his contract out. I think it, uh, it might change the lay of land with Salah. Steve? It's probably Newcastle, um, bought by a country currently at war with Yemen that has killed more than 90,000 people, uh, a regime that murdered 81 people in one day in, in March. Um, for me, it's just it's bigger than football. It, it's gross, and it's a sign that we've probably crossed the line. Um, you know, Dan Hodges has that tweet about once America decided that it was okay to kill kids, you were never getting the gun laws right. Once football decided it was okay for Saudi Arabia to own a football team, football's, football is done in terms of any hope of, of fan ownership. For So for me, that was the, the kind of the biggest. Johnny? I think, um, I think the biggest talking point has been Abramovich. But um, I think there hasn't been enough talk about the Newcastle takeover, um, and especially if Matty Howe just wants to pretend, you know, Saudi Arabia don't even own the club. Uh, so yeah, Abramovich has definitely been the biggest talking point in the media. But Newcastle hasn't been talked about enough, and Steve's right. I mean, Newcastle fans don't care. No, um, I I know one. Now. I I work with one, and he yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> Which I don't. I, we don't have to. We don't have to make him care. You don't. To, it's you know he he's a very intelligent lad, a brilliant lad actually. Um, that's he, he. It's his decision to not care because of what Mike actually put them through. But <clears throat> just even Steve saying ninety thousand people being killed at the hands of the owners of that football club uh, is quite a stark statement. Quite a way, like. Sort of stops on tracks. <laughs> that one, that's all right. Like, um, I think it's capacity, Wem- right. capacity of Wembley. Yeah, yeah this, it, this week, Boris Johnson murder. actually, it was confirmed Boris Johnson actually encouraged the yeah. seal to go through. So, you know, yeah, it's uh, see their leaked leak images of their third shirt as well. Like the Saudi Arabian colors, it's pretty, it's not a classy touch. Like, we, we will hopefully over the summer when we're doing it little bits and pieces of podcast until the season comes back we will try to i know steve had said about this do a deep dive into this hopefully listeners try and i'm going to try and get some journalists on and that we can maybe chat about it and you know come away from transfers and stuff during the summer and get into this because i do think it's important that more as i said more people do talk about it it's i think if if liverpool weren't in such a healthy happy place you'd probably look at football and go, I can't be arsed with professional football and what's going on because this is just madness. But um, we'll see what happens. I, I hope it goes very wrong for Newcastle. 
but then I hope it goes right for the fans afterwards as in they get different owners eventually and comes in, but I, we can't see that happening. But yeah, the the, the biggest talk point the winner was um Obramovich, and I think people have gone with what the way Johnny was doing it was because it was talked about the most. Uh, and what's happened obviously the Brownwich sanctions yeah. and it brings an end to the chaos era maybe of, of Chelsea Brent where you maybe if you go and win things you just continue to win things and managers will stay in the job for, for years upon years maybe that'll be a turning point um, so the next one the give me Tommy one, Tooch for the next 20 years uh, Tommy Tooch is uh, he's a good man um, goal of the season Paddy the choices were Kovacic against Liverpool Salah against Man City Townsend against Burnley or Lacazette against Southampton or another. So what what was your goal of the season? What stands out for you? The Kovacic one was an unbelievable strike. But what I've written down, Salah v Man United was my favourite. The the lot of build up play ball from Mane was ridiculous, and then a, a touch and a, a and a hit from from Salah I thought was incredible. That was my favourite goal. Brenton. Kovacic, obviously. Um, I, I think at the time, uh, Liverpool were winning 2-0 and Chelsea needed something uh, before half-time. And just both from the blue and from the the player you would least expect. And what yeah. a fucking strike. Like the way he was, he was kind of going backwards. And jumping, um, such a strike. Um, Steve, what was yours? Has you hoofed a tin down, I think, there or something? No, no, it's my son's like toys. Um, <laughs> it, uh, so, Lacazette, I was brilliant, real old school Arsenal goal. I thought Salah's against uh, City, considering the game, considering the skill that went into it. But for me, the goal of the season is Christian Eriksen's uh, against Chelsea. Um, it's a tap in from eight yards. It's completely like you, you or I would have scored it, but the man died. Like, and he's now playing <laughs> professional football. And to score in the Premier League, I just think you know it's a remarkable turnaround. It's, a, it's an unbelievable story. And so for me, that was the goal of the season. Johnny, what about you? Good answer. Um, I think Tony Rudiger's goal was a fucking absolute belter there a few weeks back. Absolute screamer. Um, who was that against? Was that Brantford? Yeah, but they got fucking beat by Brantford. Like, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, it's even more enjoyable, to be honest. Like, so, yeah, I mean, it was Tom Strike. I, I'd give it to him. Like, I know he wasn't in the list or anything, but fucking hell, what a strike. Uh, Tony Ruger all day for me. I, I he tried it about 40 times this season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went with Salah against uh, Man City, but I. I was thinking about this today. I actually really enjoyed. I don't know if you remember Thiago's against Porto, where it hardly touched, like it just skimmed mm-hmm. and boofed into the bottom corner. Just to, to watch that from that ang- angle behind was just unreal. But um, so many good goals this year. Like the, the action one, I forgot all about. That was an unreal moment just for the fact that he did die and then came back and scored. Um, which is so so powerful and uh, good to see him back. Obviously, him playing football because he's he's a wonderful player. Um, the winner of that actually was Salas against Man City. Um, with sixty percent of the vote, so the listeners were pretty happy with that. And um, now, on, now this this could cause a row because it caused a row last night. Um, manager of the year. So the cha- the choices were Jurgen Klopp, um, the bald fraud, 
Paddy Vieira and Thomas Frank got, of course, the ball for all I mean, and Pep Guardiola because we now have Ten Hag who's bald as well, so I have to make sure I don't get the wrong one. Um, so Pep Guardiola, Tom, uh, Paddy Vieira, or Thomas Frank. Steve, you're laughing at me, and you're probably going to say something smart here. So, who was your manager of the year? I have I have two of those in my top three. Uh, I have Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Frank in my top three. Uh, I think Frank deserves a mention. First club to be promoted by the champion by the playoffs. Uh, to finish outside the bottom five in eight years or something like that. Like, incredible achievement. Really small budget and just a manager who seems to get a lot of buy-in from his players. Klopp is Klopp. Um, but for me, it's Jesse Marsh. Uh, and I know Brendan hates him. Oh, my God. But look, <laughs> look, Leeds took a decision to part with an absolute, like, cult favorite of a manager uh, a guy <laughs> worshipped by the fans and Leeds Leeds took 15 points from their last 12 games that's that's nearly half their points this season Bielsa had 26 from 23 games like th- it was a brave decision and one that ultimately proved successful because Leeds stayed up and I think for for me it's it's Jesse Marsh for that reason right fair play to you um, <laughs> Johnny Go next. Can you match Steve's absolute st- wild cards? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for Frank. Frank Lampard. <laughs> Took Everton from 16th to 16th. What a fucking legend. <laughs> 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 um, I, I think, it, it, see if, if Liverpool win the Champions League uh, on Saturday, then probably Klopp. Um, I mean, that list, it could be any of the four, to be honest. The fact that Vieira has done so well with, with Palace as well. Um, like, Brentford don't even have a bloody reserve team, don't they not? They're academy or something mad like that. They're, it literally is the players they have there on, on the pitch. That's all they really have. So it's incredible for a club like that to still be in the Premier League and finish where they did. Um, Kloppo and Pep, you know, they're, they're just top of their game, aren't they? Um, yeah, probably. Oh, just give it to just give it to Frank Lampard, fuck's sake. <laughs> if Bratton, what's your choice? Um I think I think I picked Clapo. Um I just think because even if you go back to our predictions, um I don't think we had Liverpool, you know, near winning the league. I think we maybe had them in the top four, a lot of us. Um but not to be as as good as they had been in previous seasons. And I think the standard he kept um was so so high and actually probably raised raised the bar this season. Um keep to keep the players that were performing performing at that level and to also you know work Tiago in uh, to have a really good season this season. Obviously signing Diaz um, you know, it's maybe down to the scouting as well. I'd say he had probably had quite a bit to do with it. Um, developing players like Kanata as well, to, who had a quality season, um, and just looking solid all over. Um, I think there's there's some players in that Liverpool starting eleven and squad who wouldn't be anywhere near the level they are without Klopp there. So, um, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a year ago. Um, Paddy? Couldn't have, couldn't have put it better myself. Exactly what Brandon said. Klopp, for exactly the same reasons. Yeah, I 
I went with Jurgen Klopp just because of uh, seeing Brian said what had happened last year um, where we looked like maybe things were going to fizzle out um, and then with what he's done this year and what he still might achieve this year um, I do think Thomas Frank was amazing at Brentford I didn't know what's that about being promoted um, that's unreal Paddy Vera great at Palace too and obviously Pep won the league uh, and also Graham Potter I mentioned Brighton earlier um, I think he's I, I do feel sometimes he's maybe uh, discarded a bit when people talk about English managers. Eddie Howe seems to be the the one everyone thinks is the the fresh and the the future of English management. And I, I in my opinion, I think Potter is better and will do better than Eddie Howe. Um, um, and yeah, I'm I'm actually still reeling from Steve picking Jesse Marsh. I can't believe that. Actually, I'm glad I'm sitting down because if I wasn't sitting there and fell over. Um, but yeah, that, that's who I would have went with. Uh, I think, uh, and I think if I don't say this, I might have a family member that might murder me. I think what Conte did with Spurs to get them out of the hole they were in, and the fact that he tried to obviously get himself out of the hole too at one point, <laughs> and then kept going uh, to the end of the season, and the fact he hasn't murdered Daniel Levy, I think he should get a bit of a mention too. Um, he's managed to not kill anyone and do quite well with Spurs, and Spurs seems to be, they'll be in the mix with Arsenal and, and, and United and the rest of the top four next year and make next season. Like uh, if, Jesse, if Jesse Marsh is not Leeds manager, Leeds are relegated. They're playing championship football next year, so that's why he's important. That's why he's the manager of the year for me. Yeah, but that's why he shouldn't get it, because Leeds would have been relegated. So, do you know what Yeah, I mean? but they're a handy 5-0 win for you. It's one, <laughs> one game you can guarantee United will win every year, so... Um, so the last award, uh, the Babel Player of the Year. Uh, there was four choices. Um, I don't know which one Johnny didn't pick, but there was Salah, De Bruyne, Son, or Cancelo. Paddy, who was your player of the season? De Bruyne is amazing. Um, I think that whenever we went for Pinestown, Steve's neck of the woods, I think we all kind of talked about him at length and I, I put him maybe maybe all of us did sort of agreed to put him in a in an all-time Premier League 11 I think he's unbelievable I think he's the best player in the world um, not just in the Premier League I think he's class and I don't think City would have been I don't think City would have won the league without him um, I think he's worth you know 15 points a year uh, he's incredible um, so I'll, I'll go for Kevin De Bruyne uh, Right well we're not talking anymore uh, Brent who was your choice for player of the year? Ditto, uh, exactly the same. Me and Paddy are on uh, a wavelength tonight. <laughs> um, it's it, obviously Salah um, had an unbelievable season. Um, I think he had a better first half of the season. Um, I think yeah. the um, combinations took a wee bit out of him. They obviously had an injury towards the end of the season. Um, and I think De Bruyne was kind of the kind of the opposite. Grew as the season went on. The last um, maybe ten games, uh, he carried City. I think um, just his his attitude as well as his pure talent. Um, I think won them the league, and um, he, he's just he's world world class. Johnny, I understand why the top two are there. I don't understand why the other two are there, but well, one of the, yeah. Son was the joint Golden Boot winner. Did Spurs win anything this year? Or? Well, he he won that. Like, oh no, the one that that fourth place trophy we used to always get slagged about. Um, 
I will go with the Bruyne as well. Sorry, Phil. I think Sadio Mane blowing smoke up his own ass kind of starred him in my my books. But he's still a great player. But I agree, he had a he had a bit of a um, I don't know. He was in different form in the second half of the season. He wasn't probably as good as he was in the first half. But yeah, De Bruyne was just consistently good the entire season. I think so. Yeah, De Bruyne. Uh, Stephen for me De Bruyne was only Man City's third best player this season never mind the league's best player um, we'll have Bernardo Silva Bernardo Silva and Cancelo were for consistency yeah. over the course of the season um, I, I, I completely agree that down the line like you know in the business end of the season De Bruyne st- stepped up um, but I just have he go. We talked about this. Paddy mentioned when you came down to, to my neck of the woods, his tendency to go missing in uh, the bigger the bigger games, um, with the exception of, of of Aston Villa. Would you can't get Aston Villa's big game? I don't think so. I noticed. The, I know the, the Premier League was on the line, but you wouldn't exactly call it a big game. So, for me, um, my top three were were Trent uh, third. Um, Bernardo Silva second, and it's sorry, or sorry, Johnny, it's uh, Son Young Min. Um, 23 goals, nine assists for a player who probably wasn't sure of what his role in that Spurs team was at the start of the season. Um, the elbow other opposing players in the head and not get sent <laughs> off. The man is a phenomenal footballer, <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that. Um, like we we talk about Salah being one of the best players in world football, if not the best player in world football, and Son, despite having England captain Harry Kane beside him and nominally Spurs' main attacking threat, uh, matched him in terms of Premier League goals this season. Um, yes, Spurs didn't win anything. I I I I accept that, but from for me, he was he was the player that I turned in to see when I was watching Spurs um, play and I would watch him play for any team and I think the last time a Spurs player had a season like this uh, they got a move to Real Madrid out of it so maybe you can have that in your back pocket Johnny that you might move away this this summer because of how good his performance was. He just signed a new deal actually I think but like well that hasn't stopped Real Madrid before now that they're raging <laughs> over Mbappe as well. So. Yeah they've, they've played together for seven seasons now and you know we talked about Liverpool and Klopp earlier and how Klopp will be remembered just kind of quickly on them too you know for two players that are meant to be you know deemed world class and they are good players like don't get me wrong but to play together for seven seasons and win absolutely fuck all is ridiculous and if he's if he's any ambition he'd move on and Harry Kane should Harry Kane tried to move last season and couldn't but I'm just 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 mad yeah opinion on on Son I think he's a much better player than Mo Salah obviously you know you all know that I have I have this theory that Mo Salah is not as good as as people think he is I would much much rather have Son on my side than Salah easy every day of the week I just loved watching Phil there on video while you were talking I'm just drawing you can hear his eyes I'm just drawing a doll of Paddy and then making a day here on my page no, I definitely um, I stand by it. Stand by it. Like Salah's brilliant, he's fantastic, but I think Son's better player. 
Stand by all you want. Who's stamping up teeth. on the 2019 <laughs> Champions League final? Who, who was um, the player that scored the goals? So. I, I went, yeah, I went with Mo Salah because he had 31 goals and 16 assists in club football for Liverpool this year, which was more than anyone else in England anyway. And so I think it's his fourth time in five years he's been top goal scorer, joint top goal scorer, and won the Golden Boot as well. He did tail off, which I think Steve actually highlighted when he was talking about. Um, players being tired he did tail off certainly after the AFCON whereas Mane came back absolutely supercharged um, after the AFCON and on De Bruyne um, the first half of the season I don't think Kevin De Bruyne was good enough now he was in the business end but I think overall I think Cancelo for the whole season was actually Man City's uh, in my opinion was Man City's best player he was outrageous like absolutely ridiculous anyway, yeah, I went with Salah um, I do get it on Son I would if Liverpool signed Son, I'd be overjoyed. Um, especially if if they sold Salah and they signed Son as his replacement, I'd be absolutely overjoyed. I think Son Hu Ming is outrageous. Um, and I hope he does leave Spurs. But Salah won it on fifty nine percent. The Bruyne was second, and Son was third. And Cancelo didn't get a vote uh, by any of the listeners or any of us. But that, uh, yeah, weird, weird um, tail end of the season for some of those players, and then some of them obviously, as you said, the Bruyne stepped up, but. Salah has a chance to maybe step up at the end of the season in the last club game. We'll see what happens there. But uh, thanks, everyone, for getting involved in all the awards. Uh, pretty cool. Um, for people to consistently get involved in them and, and, and vote. We really appreciate it. Um, just quickly, we have we have a couple of listener questions. There was one, who, who would be your team of the season without City or Liverpool players? We're maybe going to bring that into the an, another podcast because that's a good one to talk about. And... For anyone that doesn't know, we went on a day out <laughs> down to see Steve and ended up picking our Premier League greatest team of all time and almost ended up in a fucking fight with all five of us um, <laughs> in the middle of a bar. Because uh, I think Johnny was going to glass me at one point because I think I didn't pick Vieira. Or I can't remember who didn't pick Vieira. But, um, all of us, because he doesn't deserve to be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that. We're talking for... absolute shit. Holly we'll Vieira is the greatest Premier League midfielder ever. We'll leave that for a pod where we'll all be on uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks and we'll chat about that because that'll be a good one to chat about. Um, we did get as well, so um, we, we have a couple as well. There was one, Mike Holt. Um, do you think a, a manager like Thomas Frank would ever get recognised by the LMA? Um, Chris Wilder did get it a couple of seasons ago. would have been my answer to that. So I do think, I understand why people are annoyed maybe that Klopp won it and certain managers weren't uh, given the award. I think even the club was there last night, and he was sort of, the way he was spe- speaking, he, I don't think he expected to, that he was going to get it. And he, he did sort of say himself, he said it before, about other managers being deserving of it. But then he won Sir Alex Ferguson one, and Fergie picks that himself. So, I mean, uh, tough. Yeah, um, I mean, once won Manager of the Year. Like, I Yeah. Just to finish off, I want you to be quick on this as well, because you know, uh, late in the night here as well, and different things. And this has been a bumper, bumper end of season podcast. Quickly, your outrageous prediction before the start of next season. I'm going to leave Steve to the end because he's the worst. Brenton, quick, what's your most outrageous prediction for the end, for the for next season? Does anyone have one? Because uh, I don't. Like, I'm thinking. I'll go past okay. to win the League Cup. <clears throat> nice. I think I nice. think they have good building blocks in place to do something. I really like the spine of the side. 
and they have a lot of pace. I think they could. I think they could push up, maybe sort of do a bit of a West Ham seventh eighth, maybe maybe want to want to want a cup or something. Okay, nice. Uh, anyone else got anything they want to fire in? I'm gonna go. Thomas, Everton Thomas are gonna get relegated. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Thomas Tuchel doesn't see Christmas as Chelsea manager. Ah, oh, <laughs> could happen. Like more Steve, than anything will happen. Steve, that is wild. Have I had a uh, chance club this evening now at this stage? Yes, I have. So. <laughs> That's the last thing I'm going to be thinking about now, just as I go to sleep. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm thinking about how to murder Paddy. Um, <laughs> Voodoo doll, are you still sticking pins in that? Yeah. You can't see it, but it's there. And it says death above it. <laughs> right. Brent, have you won? Yeah, I, th- I think like one of the big three. Can I say this generally? One of the big three well can you call them big three one of the top three this season um will finish i'd say the top four you should have just said chelsea johnny you go yeah that that's exactly what i was going to say i thought chelsea will finish outside the top four like um but again that's right now from what i see like depend who they bring in over the summer and things like that um like they've no defense the fucking tiago silva that's it Everybody else is, you know, jumped to Barcelona or Real Madrid or whatever. So, um, at the moment, that's what I am predicting. But again, that could change by the end of the summer. So the first to win the league. Bef- <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm the one that had against tonight, not you. <laughs> win the league. Okay, at least cause no. I'm not serious, that. Jesus. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> It doesn't, doesn't matter, it's down. So my, my actual my actual one was oh, Haaland. Fuck. Haaland finishes with 15 goals or fewer in the Premier League. I think 10 or fewer. I just yeah, don't go ahead, Steve, I just, come on, commit to it. I just I just don't think he suits Pep style. Uh, they're buying so, a player for the sake of buying a player. To finish off the pod for this season, uh, well, we will have one after the Champions League final, regardless of what happens, and then we'll have them over the summer sporadic, as I said, but the Premier League season anyway, podcast. Paddy's predicted Palace to win a cup. Uh, I have said Everton to get relegated. Um, Steve Halland to get 10 goals or fewer. 15? Uh, no. <laughs> um, Johnny, Chelsea to finish out of the top four, and Brenton Spurs to win the league. Wow, oh, no. I can't wait to come back and look at these. Lukaku will score more goals than Haaland. End of next season. That's a good one. Um, that is a good one. You'll get 11. Um, <laughs> folks, thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for getting involved so far this or on this season. Um, it's been good, and it's also been quite difficult um, as well. Times just with different things going on for all of us, but we got there in the end. Um, the plan is to uh, do a few things over the summer, and get some start getting some guests lined up as well because there's a break and there's no World Cup obviously this year in the summer it's on the winter um but yeah the plan is to do that and look into a few things a few issues me and Steve have talked about this as well and all the lads too uh outside of the actual football playing uh but what's been going on within football and and as fans and whatever how that's made us feel plus we're hopefully going to get to a few League of Ireland games and a few games involving the Irish League clubs and the League of Ireland clubs in Europe which um. I'm really looking forward to. We may may not do some sort of vlog when we're at them or something, but we're certainly going to try and 
get to those and cover a bit of those as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, thanks for getting involved as well, listeners, on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the football babble. Uh, tune in to all of our social channels on Instagram and Twitter. I really appreciate it. And to you four decades, thanks very much. Um, I don't know who I'm going to be talking to. Hopefully it's Paddy and me and Paddy just next Monday uh, celebrating Liverpool being seven times European oh. champion. If I turn on this screen and it's Steve and a Real Madrid kit, I'll fucking explode. Um, <laughs> I hate I hate them more than I hate Liverpool, so you're okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, uh, enjoy enjoy the little summer break. Uh, hope you enjoy your transfer windows because I know everyone's buzzing about them. And then um, we'll see you again very soon. Good luck. <laughs>